Our first Bible reading this morning comes from Isaiah chapter 40, verses 1 to 11. These are the Lord's words of comfort to Zion. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice of one calling. In the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all the people will see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, cry out. And I said, what shall I cry? All people are like grass, and all their faithfulness is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, because the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely the people are grass, the grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God endures forever. You who bring good news to Zion, go up on a high mountain. You who bring good news to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up, do not be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power and he rules with a mighty arm. See, his reward is with him and his recompense accompanies him. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. And from Mark chapter 1, verses 1 to 8, John the Baptist prepares the way. The beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord make straight paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Well, good morning, everybody. It's uh, nice to be back here again. And may, may I say, Happy New Year. 
you're looking kind of weird. Do you know why it's a Happy New Year? Anyone? Well, today is the first Sunday in Advent. It is the beginning of the new church year. From this Sunday, way to uh, the middle of June, is the church year. We've got Advent, Christmas, Epiphany, Lent, Easter, and Pentecost. These are the great themes, the stories of what Christ has done for us from birth to death. And so we are in the season of Advent. It's a season of preparing. It's a season of waiting until Christmas comes. There's great expectation and it was wonderful. I know our organist knows what time of year it is because we've had two of the great Advent hymns this morning. That longing, that preparing, that waiting. But unfortunately, we don't like to wait, do we? Whether it's waiting in line, waiting for a package to be delivered, waiting for a prayer to be answered, Waiting is something we don't usually enjoy. We forget that there is a great deal of wisdom in waiting. And so that's why Advent is so important. Advent is a good time to learn about waiting because this season, it's about waiting well. For the next uh, few weeks, we'll sit on the edge as we count down the number of sleeps till Christmas. We will prepare for the great family feasts that will happen on Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, Boxing Day, whatever your tradition may be. It's preparing. We put things in place. It was only about a month or so ago uh, one of the members of our uh, church family up in Wimbledon was taking orders for Christmas cake and Christmas pudding because they have to be made ahead of time so that on the day they're just right. We wait to see how Christ transforms the world, transforms our lives with his love. In the process in waiting for Christmas, Advent teaches us lessons about God, why God sometimes makes us wait. Many of us don't learn the wisdom of waiting because waiting is not fun. That's why in our culture today is built around preventing that dreaded task. We have fast food, faster internet, faster delivery, faster service. We call ahead, we book ahead, no waiting. In fact, we live in a world now, we actually don't need to leave our homes. We can just get on our phones with our apps and people bring us stuff, bring us meals, bring us all the things that we want. We can go online and 
shop and click and away we go. And the press of a button, boom, it's downloaded. We can get all sorts of things. In a recent article, a newspaper article I read, stated that when we visit a website, we uh, are more uh, likely to stay and revisit that website as long as it loads quickly. People turn off if it is 0.25 of a second. A quarter of a second. If it doesn't load within a quarter of a second, bang, we go somewhere else. Amazing, isn't it? People can't even wait a quarter of a second for something to load. Waiting's not fun. A while back, I was out and about and my phone went flat. I realised that I'd forgotten to bring my mobile charger for my car. And so I had to go home and plug it in and wait and wait. I had to wait till it was at least 50% charged because I was going out again for the afternoon and I needed my phone. And there, that was the longest 10 minutes waiting, looking, waiting. <gasps> 10 minutes. We don't like to wait. Sometimes it's frustrating. And that was just for a phone. We don't like to wait. We live in a, a busy world. We don't want to waste time. We're always rushing from one place to the next, from one activity to the next. We don't like being held up. On my way home from school, where I joined the M4, they've got the new uh, traffic control signals. Have you been in those? Where it only allows one car at a time to go through, and you've got to wait. The number of times that I'm sat in one line, the car ahead of me goes, but then two cars. He can't wait. That second car has got to make the light. We don't like to wait. We don't like being held up. And so that carries over into our lives, especially our spiritual lives. We sometimes want instant answers for our prayers. We want God to respond quickly. It's like we've sent a text and we want an answer straight away. We want God to provide for us within our time frame and our schedule. And we've got everything figured out. If only God could just answer that prayer. Everything seems to make sense to us. Why doesn't God just act? Let's get on with it. Come on, God. Let's go. Maybe, maybe you don't have a job. And you've been praying and praying for one, but there's no response. You've gone to interviews. You've searched and searched, but nothing. Nothing's falling into your lap. 
Or maybe you're praying to meet the right person, to develop a, a romantic relationships, relationship, but all you meet are duds and time wasters. Or maybe you're in a relationship with someone and you've prayed for them, him or her, to make a commitment, to show some signs of wanting to be married. But it's not happening. It's frustrating. Perhaps you need to make a really important decision about your life and you're searching for a sign. Something that will tell you the right way to go. But you've come up empty. You keep looking, but you can't find anything. And God isn't making a shining light for you to uh, walk towards. Perhaps you've been praying for the ability to get fit and lose weight, get in better shape but it doesn't seem any easier and you're not making progress. Or maybe you're in a funk in your life, unmotivated, sad, depressed, anxious. You've asked God to give you a new spirit, more energy, more joy, but you still can't seem to get off the couch. Perhaps you're lonely. You want to meet new people and you've been praying for God to bring new people into your life, but nothing's changed. I'm sure many of you are wondering, what's taking God so long to answer? To act, to move, to to, um, grant your request. You've prayed persistently and faithfully The Bible says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. You've asked until your throat is sore. You've knocked until your knuckles are bloodied. Yet there's still no answer. You're getting discouraged. You think, come on, God. Don't you like me? Don't you care about me? Are you angry with me? Now, this may be hard for us to believe, but it is because, excuse me, because God uh, cares for us and loves us, he often makes us wait. God always has good reasons for making us wait. Once we recognize these reasons, it's easier for us to accept that waiting for God is not a waste of time. You see, this is why God is really in a hurry. He's usually slow in the way he operates. Regardless of how fast we want him to move, he will not go at our pace. He goes at his pace. He always has good reasons why he gives a... a, He goes about the way he does. We don't see it because we're not God. So why is sometimes God so slow? Why does he often make us wait? 
and discovering why God makes us wait is a game changer. It'll become more important to you than anything that you're waiting on God to give you right now. Now, it might sound a little crazy because you feel so desperate for God to act. But trust me, knowing why God is making you wait will make all the difference in the world to your faith, your relationships, and purpose in life. One of the most important reasons God makes us wait is revealed through John the Baptist. John is a very interesting guy and well worth taking time to study. He was uh, the child of Mary's cousin, Elizabeth. He was out in the wilderness, like a a bear grills living off uh, locusts and honey. He wore camel hair as clothes. But instead of carrying weapons to bring peace and justice to the world, he carried the words of warning and preparation. And we know that crowds would go out to him, out into the wilderness, to listen to him preach sermons with vigour and fire. Now, some would take him seriously, and others just thought it was entertaining. The truth is that God had called John to do one thing, tell people to prepare themselves for God entering into their world in the person of Jesus. The people of God had waited and waited and prayed and prayed for a Messiah. So long, so long. A Messiah that would bring hope, it would bring joy, love, and peace. And they're the four great themes of Advent, and we'll look at them next week. The people were oppressed by the Romans. Life was tough and hard. Surely. And here is this message from John. Repent, for the kingdom of God is near. Prepare a way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. I love the word repent. It may be an old-fashioned word. And often we think it means to feel awful about the bad things you've done. To tell God and others that you're really sorry and seek forgiveness. But that's not repentance, that's regret. What repentance really means, it means to turn. Turn 180 degrees. And whilst there is that physical doing a U-turn, but it means to turn in your mind. It means to change the way you're thinking. That's what it means to repent. It means to turn around, change the way you're thinking and act accordingly. Sometimes we want everything our way, don't we? 
my way, my way or the highway. I want things on my terms. One of the interesting social commentaries at the moment is um, the way people expect things. Privilege, my privilege, my rights to live the way I want to live. We see it all over. All kinds of privilege comes up in the news. But it's not about my way, is it? It's about God's way. And there's the conflict. Remember when we studied the Lord's Prayer? That his will be done on earth. Not my will, but his will be done. And that's the conflict. But John also says, prepare the way for him. Make straight paths for him. And we read the rest of Isaiah and we see that there's great engineering works that need to be done. The valleys need to be filled in, the mountains taken down. The rough places made smooth. The curves taken out, so it is a straight path. And so it is, we need to have that engineering in our minds, in our lives. In the hills and valleys and in the rough places of our life. Those we need to make smooth for him. We need to clean up our act so that the king may come. But what does this have to do with waiting on God and getting your prayers answered? Well, it's everything. We must get our hearts and our lives right with God before we can expect him to answer us. Sometimes we pray repeatedly for things and we wait and we get frustrated but we want God to go down the valleys and up the hills of our lives. We want him to cross the rough places in our lives on our terms, and therefore we get frustrated. It could be that you've prayed and prayed for the things that you see around Other people have great relationships. But sometimes the people around us drag us down. We talk to our friends, but they don't listen to us. They don't understand. Maybe it's time to get new friends. What does the Bible say? Don't throw your pearls before swine. If people aren't listening, then stop talking. Listen to what they're saying. Then speak. Maybe you're looking for a sign from God whether or not to write off those friends. But be patient. Let God work in their lives as well. Maybe you're disappointed that God doesn't seem to be helping you get healthy 
whether physically or mentally. But maybe you're not making the lifestyle changes that are needed. I've been on a diet for two weeks. I've lost four kilos. You've got to make a change because it wasn't just happening by itself. If you want to get fit, get off the couch. Make a difference. Fill in those valleys. Knock down those hills. Maybe you're waiting for God to snap you out of the sadness, out of a depression, when the deep truth inside you, you know. You know what you've got to do. That guilt about being found out about your sin. That others may judge you. That I can do it by myself. Make a change. Go talk to a counsellor. Talk to other people. Be open and honest. And if need be, repent of your sins. Get your act together. I think you can see where this is going. If you're someone who's been waiting for God to answer your prayer and you're desperate, you might have to have a really hard look in the mirror. A serious look at your life, your heart, your motives, the reasons behind your prayers. This may be not the reason why God is making you wait. There are other reasons. But I am asking you, if you've been waiting, have a look at your heart. What's it all about? Is it your will or God's will? Look at this life-changing passage from 1 John 5, 14 and 15. It says this. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked for in him. His will, not my will. We have a confidence in approaching God. God stands waiting for us to come to him with our prayers. He is willing and waiting to answer our prayers according to his will. And so that's the big thing. Are our prayers consistent with God's will? in his desires, his interests. Are we serving ourselves or are we serving the king? Are we mumbling to ourselves or are we shouting it out? The great love of God from the rooftops, from the mountains. What did the song say? Go tell it to our neighbours. Sometimes we have to put ourselves behind and put God first, and that's tough. 
So the question is, this prayer you want God to answer so badly, and you've been waiting for the answer, but is it really what God desires, desires for our lives? So often we see depicted people suddenly putting up an emergency prayer that have no faith, that have no relationship with God. Are you in a deep relationship with him? Do you love him more than any other? Do you love him more than yourself? And so that's something to think about as we come to this time of preparation for this time of waiting to celebrate the great event of Christmas. You see, God loves us so much. He wants to give us so much, but it's in our best interest that he waits. Sometimes we don't see the big picture. Sometimes we just need to be faithfully walking with God day by day, step by step, well, God doesn't want us to make huge mistakes that we may regret for the rest of our lives. He doesn't want you to go down a bad road that just happens to be convenient. He wants you for all of your life. He wants to walk beside you. He wants to lead you, love you. What a beautiful picture it is of that shepherd picking up the lambs and carrying the lambs close to his heart. Will you allow him to do that? For God always has our best interests at heart. He wants us to grow. He wants us to live and experience him. When I think of all my prayers and all the times I've waited for God for things, I'm more thankful for the prayers that God didn't answer than the ones he did. For those lessons, those hard lessons that have been learnt in my life and my joy is walking with him and trusting in him. So in this Advent season, may it be about not so much waiting for God, May it be about God waiting for us. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word today. Hopefully your spirit has spoken to us that we can stop being anxious. And then the next four weeks as we prepare for Christmas, as we prepare for the great celebration and the story of your son entering into this world. May we look in our hearts and our motivations and what is driving us. May we be able to smooth in the valleys and the hills and the paths and the rough places and make a straight path for the King of Kings to enter into our hearts and give us love, joy, to give us peace and hope 
in a very complicated world in which we live. Amen.